0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of W.I.L.K. staff, management, or sponsors. Time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WylK
1: Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you back, Ms. Cadden. Thank you very much. Happy uh, to be back. We and had... let me tell you, happy to be back. Really? Yes. It's always, you know, I love to go. Yeah. I don't like to go. I'm a homebody. No, really. I mean, I prefer, I'm not a big vacation person. You know, I yes. I mostly stay, like to stay close, but I like day trips or weekends, that kind of car, you know, me and my um, airplane stuff well so, that yeah yeah so i but but it was it was i needed to do something <laughs> i was really needed a break from yes. everything so it was really nice to go and the and the the but it's always nice to come home it's so nice i couldn't wait to see my house when i pulled up and i just just a big smile on my yeah. face so i happy to be home sleeping in my own bed and there's my own surroundings like. yeah <laughs> I love it. So here we are. Just got in last night because we, of course, tape on Thursday. Yeah. So I got home on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And we had a jammed, packed three days coming in mm-hmm. um, because, of course, <clears throat> we drove, as I said, last week. And that was great. But I will tell you, you have to – here's – this is something you need to – you, you you'll love this story. And All maybe right. I told you. Did I tell you the iced tea, the Dunkin' Donut iced tea stories? The, from your trip? Yeah. Now? Yeah, no. so you know Duncan and I are closely linked. <laughs> yes. That I get my, oh, have to have cost. my yes. You did did I say that. it on radio? Yeah, no, then? but tell okay. us. Okay. So, from I'm going to say Virginia ish, lower Virginia on down, the prices kept getting less and less. In Virginia, we stopped to get an iced tea, and I always get my large unsweetened, and it was a dollar thirty. And I said, is there a sale or is this on special or something this week? And he goes, no, what do you mean? I said, well, we're from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and our large iced teas are Mm $2.43. And he's like, why? And I said, brilliant question, since you're the same company. Why? And I get this happens. I'm not saying it doesn't, but that's a blatant... We are being ripped off here. Seriously, $2.43 for a large iced tea. In Stroudsburg, it's a couple do- couple cents more. Really? Okay. Yes. Maybe 15 or something. Wow. And when you got into Florida and in Jupiter, now let's face it, you know, we're not talking... Uh, wealth isn't is is abundant down there okay one dollar and (laughs) six cents all the time and no special it is what they charge the same cup the same lid the same everything so why does it cost two dollars and 43 cents in our neck of the woods and it cost a 99 cents in in new in um in the south why I don't know <clears throat> because they're big on tea I mean what no. really what is that well I think it's a uh,
2: franchisees in some cases there's company-owned stores and then there's franchise-owned stores and those that are that are um, owned by the franchisees
1: they have some leeway in well of course they do because they're getting away with it but the point yes. is why really we no, talk about this all no the time reason. how much is tea and how much is water <clears throat> well really the other the thing, thing, thing too that cost him the most is the cup right so, I mean, I, I'll still go, you know, I have stock in Dunkin' Donuts, so I feel like I have <laughs> some ownership here so I can say this. Yeah. It, it It is, it is, it, it just, I just think to myself, whoa. Well, I mean, really. I and not the $2. I'm not, I don't mean I'm going to buy my iced tea and I don't care. But just, it's just amazing when you see that cost difference. Well, Even f- food costs here are higher higher than it cost. we had dinner in washington dc the other night i'm yeah. telling you for everything we had and just some of the things it's amazing how much the food costs are so different so much more here than they are in other places
2: oh i thought you were gonna tell me that dc was higher because no. it's a very expensive exactly town.
1: in philadelphia i have dinner in yeah. philly and i pay more in scranton sometimes for dinners i it's it's it it, i just really watch it and i you know you see and people have said forever that the cost of food in this area is really is high so i never pay attention because i just do it you know you do it but when you go and now i'm in all these different states which isn't obviously now isn't a good thing because now i'm reporting on all this stuff but it's just (laughs) it's it's amazing and you can see this and it just by it because i when i tell you i've been in every rest area from the whole (laughs) east coast um You can tell the difference, but even the difference in states in how they maintain their rest areas. Mm -hmm. Some of them are shiny with beautiful tile, and then the further south you go, like, North what is it, South Carolina? They were clean, but as old as old could be. Things were, like, decrepit. It was, and then you went from one to an So you can see in the states the difference. It's Mm -hmm. neat to observe that kind of, like, infrastructure, if you will, of how these things are and how they run amazing so on your way back did you yeah. do what you intended to do well to stop no and, we uh, did stay in savannah but yeah. because we realized i didn't i didn't realize and i should have, should have checked before i thought it was only a six hour ride from there to where we were going and it was more nine almost nine hours mm-hmm. from savannah to washington okay. so when we realized the day before that there was no way we were going to have the time to spend in savannah we just we spent the night a little bit outside, and we didn't even go. We couldn't even go because we had to get on the road and get to Washington because we were meeting Sean. Mm-hmm. And so the whole day of Meyer's birthday, <laughs> he spent... <laughs> driving (laughs) hit the car to washington dc and finally at eight o'clock we pulled into the restaurant at five minutes to to the you know to the right to the restaurant at five minutes to eight because i said sean make that reservation later because it was supposed to be 6 30. we needed the extra time yeah so So we did and it was great and we had a great time and so that it all worked out but you know and then we drove from there we went to leesburg virginia mm-hmm. and we stayed there because there were no there was no room at the inn mm-hmm. anywhere in the area so we just went out a little further and then we left from there and drove to meyer's friend's house in um, harrisburg um, dave staller and his wife phyllis and they were wonderful we had a nice dinner with them and then we drove home so it was an experience to see because i have never been in a car that long ever I don't think I, I have either, and I don't know that I would ever want to do that. Yeah, I had no other than the fact that you're trapped and you can't (laughs) do or go anywhere. Other than, and I don't like that, but it was kind of a neat thing because it was so contrary to what how I live my days. Yes, you know, being sitting and actually being right next to Meyer for that long. <laughs> We're just never, that's, ne- I'm always like, in, out, get here, get there, blah, 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 And that's, so, so that kind of confinement was a little bizarre for me. but I would think. But I, I liked it. Like there was something animal. neat about it. Oh, oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear you say that. And the first time, on the Saturday that we went down, mm-hmm. 700 miles before we went, we, lo- we, it was cold, freezing in Scranton. Mm-hmm. Took us 700 miles before the temperature changed to 43 degrees. Uh. 700 miles south. Wow. That's how yucky it was. The whole state of Virginia, snow the whole way. As I think I said, it was, yes. it was wild. Yeah. It, just to see the difference in, and how far down it took to get warmer.
2: And then once you got to Florida, you said you had some issues with uh, the place but where you I stayed.
1: Did. Yeah, there were, some th- there were some things they should have um, had fixed you oh, know because yeah. we were there last year and we loved it and there were some just some things they didn't do that they should have and so of course i was on it but <clears throat> something meyer literally had to fix the you know these the spline in the screen those he literally took one out of somewhere else and had to fix it himself out on the lanai <laughs> so well that doesn't work no but it was We but thank god you were with somebody who could, who do, could that. do it exactly yeah but we had a good time that's and, good um of course, we're never staying in that place, and that the, the, we like the development, just never in that uh, same condo again because there were just things they should have done and weren't. And I, you know, for what you pay for, you should get what it's supposed to be. But what would your other choice be? They have a whole development. There's, it's just that particular unit. Oh, okay. I would go somewhere else. Okay. So anyway, they have other properties, so that we would do. So did you veg out? I did. I did. I don't like it, really, but I did. Well, what do you mean you don't like it? Wasn't that the point of why you were going? Yes, but it's very, when you're not used to constantly being, when you are constantly plugged into everything, it's very hard to not be plugged in. So, I mean, I did it, and I think I did a good job, but. Um, well, I'll have to check in with Meyer and see. <laughs> you no, know, I think he'll agree. <laughs> well, really? I was talking to my buddy Al Durunda yesterday, yeah. and he goes, "Okay, tell Meyer he's had an, he's had you for two weeks. Oh. You're back to us now. That's it. Tell okay. him it's over." I said, "Okay, that's, that's well, that how must works. have made you feel good too. That did. I love it. Yeah, I love that. I'm sure. Yeah, because so two. I mean, it was almost two weeks. That's a yeah. long time to for you. I mean, that is good, good, a long time. Yeah, so happy to be back, NEPA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be back. Oh, good. Yes. And we are, uh, uh, the other thing is, it, 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 when you go somewhere else, it makes you feel so fortunate to be where you're from.
2: I mean, you appreciate where you're feel,
1: from. But feel for, yeah, yeah. Feel, I feel, just feel, yeah, appreciate, but for, I feel fortunate to live here and to be part of this community because when you go places, it's all nice, you know, but it's the connections that you have and you forge and you make and, and it's like, you just think about, well, who can I call? And it's like, who do I know? So it's this, mm-hmm. you know, when you work as long as you do to forge relationships, they're there and it, it means a lot. So it does. It's all good. It's all good. Other than the cost of the iced tea we're we're okay. <laughs> That's good. Well you didn't miss too much.
2: I mean there there wasn't a whole lot going on except uh our friend uh Katie Go Martin, I guess, was up to her eyeballs and crazy things going on here. Not her specifically, but the school board in general. Uh because there was just a lot that was happening, and um, the usual nonsense with Cage uh, Gebhardt Cognetti, I guess, who is a a new person on the board as well, um, and she apparently asked for something and clarification on something, and the guy who is the president, uh, Bob Lush, got up and left in a huff because he didn't think that she needed to
1: get that information wait a minute you, he's not the president barb dixon is oh, okay. but you're well, talking about when, when he resigned and then came back or oh this no this business is after after, that. after okay, that see business. i don't know this part okay so
2: he came back and i guess they um well i have to say that chris kelly from the scranton times has been putting a lot of heat on them and so um he eventually got it to the point where they, uh, the school board, was forced to come to a vote on whether or not they would release the information to him. And apparently, Mr. Lush did not think that was appropriate. And Paige, I think, introduced um, the motion to allow that to happen. And he got so angry, he got up and left and told her to
1: literally, this is in the press, it out her ass. It was very lovely. Well, I noticed that in the paper. I was reading the paper last night. Yeah. Because that was the f- I have all of them. I just it was there, so oh, yeah. I read the most current <clears throat> before I went to bed. And it, and in one of the letters to the editor, I noticed it said something about using. I forget who it was. I do know who it was who wrote. Alan Hughes, I think, said yeah. something about. Um, the language although i i didn't know what he meant because i didn't read the story nor did i have that well what are you gonna do
2: nothing it's done but (laughs) it it broke precedent with the scranton times because they've never published that kind of they would call it vulgarity but since it was out there and in a public meeting they decided that they were going to print exactly what he said and so you know it goes on and it's wonderful and we keep digging away at the stuff, and yeah. We'll and I s- did
1: read Chris Kelly's article t- yesterday about yeah. the, the um, uh, the mechanic and the oh, and yeah. all of that, and how much uh-huh. money was spent. And, and if you have twenty eight cars, it would mean you spent so many per so much money per year. If that was that's what I read yesterday. It's so. all
2: that, yeah. I mean, the, uh-huh. there's so much hypocrisy in it, and. Uh, that it's just ridiculous i'd rather talk listen. about the
1: price of iced teas if you yeah but my on point
2: is that's what you missed
1: <laughs> <laughs> i didn't so, miss anything so that's the same bottom old. line oh, is you
2: yeah. didn't miss a damn thing yeah so anyway um why don't we take a quick break yes we should and we'll, we'll be right back break. you're listening to the Laurie and lynn show
0: here's Laurie and lynn
2: Good morning, we're back. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC. It's designed specifically for the financial illiteracy of baby boomer women. And I'm also the the host of a podcast
1: called Power of the Purse. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising, PR, and special event business. And we got things to
2: talk about here today. Got my most current um, edition
1: of the Bulletin. Oh, of the Bulletin. Yes. And, (laughs) you know, you were...
2: See, you said something to me last well, Melissa week. Melissa
1: McCarthy. I got mine with her on it. And in I my have magazine. I have not. Oh, well, I got mine before I ha- the I last because I brought it with me.
2: Last one I had was from February. I don't know why I'm not getting it anymore, but I'm not. So, um, see, I, I'm glad you said that. I get that. that
1: one periodically. Yeah. I don't get that regularly.
2: Well, this one, I don't know how often this is printed, but uh, I realized I haven't had the magazine in quite some time. Mm -hmm. anyway um there were a couple things in the bulletin that i wanted to uh talk about because i thought it was very interesting one thing they talked about they called in the news is uber and lyft are disrupting the ambulance usage you know a lot of people in their medicare programs or whatever it is and even standard insurance if you use an ambulance to take you from your home to the emergency room of some place or to a hospital or whatever it is, the cost is really high and right. a lot of cases- Not covered. Not covered or it's like a $100 and yeah. that that's it. Right. So what people are now doing- <sighs> Is calling Uber and Lyft wow. to take them from their house to Jeez. the emergency room <gasps> to the hospitals, and that's not okay because the liability exposure for the drivers is huge. What if you got somebody who can't breathe sitting well, in the and back what seat? if they're
1: bleeding and sadder stuff too. too? That's like that's you terrible. can't
2: can't do that. I didn't know people did that. Yes, because it's cheaper. Oh well, yeah, and that's why they're doing it, and it's immediate. You know, they don't, you don't have sirens and other silliness going on so that you're not worried about it. But the, somebody came up with this idea, which I think is really a great idea. What they said is that they've hired, now this is for Lyft, not necessarily for Uber, and this could be happening there as well, but I don't know that. But they decided that they would um, create a, a system where they have a triage nurse who, when you call in, they will be the one that decides whether or not you can use a Lyft driver or whether you need to call 911. So they have a paramedic person on staff, and when you call and say you're going to the hospital, that's where your destination is. They get on the phone with you and talk to you and screen you, which makes sense because if that's the case... Except that you're wasting time if it's something. Well, yeah, maybe. I I mean, you know... I don't know quite exactly how it works. Um, If it's not an emergency, a Lyft driver is called, and it it automatically connects into some emergency systems. It's designed to be helpful, and they take that into account. But I just, I don't know anybody that ever did that, that ever called Lyft or Uber just to get them to the hospital.
1: But I suppose it's the way it works. No. Mm -mm. I I get the thought. Yeah. It's just, you know or if someone maybe breaks an arm they figure what if you know they know their arm's broken they figure i, I can get to you know what i mean instead but then what, why wouldn't you just drive well maybe because it's the no, right or no i mean if you're not i mean if you're alone obviously but if yeah. you have somebody with you you would just take yeah it. yeah i get it mm-hmm. wow yeah i thought that was
2: interesting because i never even thought about that it's really weird hmm um and then the the whole theme of this was this Medicare fraud and how rampant it is. it costs uh, let me see where this number is something like seven hundred and some billion dollars last year for Medicare, just to function. It was five hundred and ninety one billion dollars last year in two thousand and seventeen. That's what it cost for wow, medicare how much two f- five hundred and ninety one billion Oof. and sixty billion. Uh. Was lost to fraud. Oh, that's man. a huge number. That's more than ten percent. But fraud and in, in how? Well, which this, that's what the rest of the story is, and, now and how, now, they how they do they it. know what the number is? Because they, when they nail these people, they catch them. Oh, they so this is when they're it caught. Out. It's not yeah. just
1: they're assuming. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, so what? Like what? What do they do? Oh, well, they they do what they call upcharges, where you go in have a procedure done. Maybe you know you have an ingrown toenail. And They talk oh, you, about oh, okay. I understand. They bill for something. I'm, I
1: was thinking. I don't know why. I was thinking the consumer was, but it's the end. It's the it's the, uh, the 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 medical profession. Then to some degree. Okay. But then there was an,
2: I was started looking at this and looking at. I said, Yeah, I know about that. I know about that. But this one, I never heard don't, about. And this one is very interesting. So you have to really watch this. But you can see how it's a perfect setup for somebody to do this. Life in Washington, D.C., homeless shelter is grim under the best of circumstances. For a federal undercover agent looking to expose a network of recruiters, those who solicit personal Medicare and Medicaid information from shelter residents to create phony medical bills, is, it presents unique challenges. Randall, a pseudonym, which I thought was pretty funny with uh-huh. my friend Randy, Randall, a pseudonym for Even a special, his real name is Randolph. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but it's close I know, we call him
1: Randall anyway. Yeah, uh, he, this, this guy
2: is Williams- a special yeah. agent with the Office of Inspector General, who still must protect his true identity. Thoroughly prepared for his undercover role, he grew his hair out. Let's double cover his face and did not bathe for several days. It sounds like Patrick. (laughs) Ah, That's an aside, folks. Okay. But it was the mental preparation that proved key. He drew on time spent growing up in an African American neighborhood in DC. He modeled himself on kids he knew who had lived close to the edge. That helped him that gave him credibility inside the shelter. I had to be able to establish rapport with these guys, talk the talk of street guys, gain their trust, he says. He memorized details of a fake identity, name, social security number, address, and date of birth. He visualized himself in tough situations and worked out how to conduct himself. Once he was fully prepared, Randall approached one of Washington's large shelters for the homeless. It smelled of urine, filthy clothes, and body odor. Men shuffled outside the entrance, drinking and smoking. The mentally ill talked to themselves. Randall let it be known that he was looking to make money. Within minutes, a recruiter approached him. The scheme he was looking to expose is simple, but it results in annual losses to Medicare and Medicaid that amount to hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars. um recruiters enlist fake patients to get approved for services by doctors who may or may not be in on the scheme the phony patient is paid a small amount to sign off on falsified documents showing expensive care that had never been delivered The homeless person may also sign off on timesheets for phantom visits from health care aides to non-existent residences. Homeless shelters are fertile ground for recruiters involved in this type of fraud. The one who approached Randall was running a Medicaid scam. Randall was quickly taken into the scam, though it wasn't always easy. One time in the car with a recruiter, the man suddenly asked, Are you a cop? And Randall's heart stopped. Had he messed up, carelessly slipped out of character? No way, he said. I hate the cops, man. The recruiter laughed. Randall could breathe again. After nearly a year undercover, his investigation, which included secret audio and videotape of his transactions, yielded enough evidence to convict 19 recruiters and healthcare aides of fraud. When this sort of case goes to trial, that is often where the crooks finally learn Randall's true identity. Guys wilt when they see the undercover agent in the courtroom, said Randall's supervisor.
1: Now, wait a minute. Isn't that Does, incredible get, But scam? don't you have to have doctor's signature sign off, or do they forge the signature? Where are they getting these forms from? Well, uh, the
2: forms apparently are those that you would sign up when you go into um, an office. An office. office. I mean, Yeah, you know, you get that thing, that sheet with all, well, that's what they would do. They would get those and they would take them to these guys and set them up. And then they would assume that the doctors had seen them or the recruiter could be that person and because he has a fake identity. So he would go in and see the doctor. The doctor would either be in on it or not. And just file it under Medicare because he's got all the guy the fake identity from this guy he stole his identity from. He's got his Medicare card. Social oh, that's Security. right. The
1: recruiter goes in and says they're But how, wouldn't it be how they get in the picture of of someone else? I don't understand hmm.
2: that. Oh, there's. I'm sure they have yeah, it all set up as a complete oh, scam. Oh my God!
1: But it, that's why I'm saying these are things that you don't
2: even know that you can play with you know you mean i don't even these people think these things through and figure out ways to do it i know there was a guy that was in clark summit who had a shoe store and he only sold shoes to people who were diabetics because they had to have a certain kind of insole because of the pain yeah the neuropathy yes yeah so he got nailed for six hundred thousand dollars because he was doing that and falsifying the records and sending in Medicare reimbursements for shoes he never sold.
1: Yeah, well, that you hear a lot of that stuff.
2: So, that. yeah, that's why I'm saying yeah. there are there are ways that people do this that we're not even aware of. And then it's people like that, when they do these undercover things, that they find the schemes that people have figured out. And... um it's really scary because that's what makes our Medicare premiums go up as much as we do.
1: Yuck. Yeah, I don't... I don't um, it, it's, it, you know what, though, Lynn? It's just anything else. People figure out ways to to rip off the system in all kinds of areas. Well, I say that
2: it's, it's the way it, I've seen it, especially in the financial planning world, that one time one person screws up like a bernie madoff where it's that big that everybody knows about it then they put in force all these rules and regulations to prevent that but the the people who are doing it honestly and legitimately now have additional paperwork that's out the wazoo and it's been a game like this where it's a game of escalation they find a problem they think they've got a solution then somebody finds a way around that then it gets exposed then we have more escalation then it goes from that to something else so it's continuously after the the saying is something about closing the barn door after the horse is out that's kind of what it is Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're not solving anything because the people who are legitimate will do what they're going to do anyway because they're ethical but the ones who aren't ethical make it so hard for everybody else because they're not doing it the way they should so I, I think this is one of those things, that in Medicare, and you think of all the paperwork doctors' offices have to go through at this point, and the more you have people like that who propagate fraud, the more that paperwork's going to happen. And that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, it's it's uh
1: and I hate paperwork, just so you know. Well, I can't stand it. Yeah, anyway. All right, well, we are going to take a fast break. We You're listening to Laurie and Lynn show, and we shall be right back.
0: Here's Laurie and Lynn.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden. I'm the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising, PR, and special event business. And she's back. And I'm back. <laughs> she's back. Yay. And I'm Lynn Evans. I am the
2: managing director of um, a company called Women of Substance LLC, which is. Um, a financial planning firm specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Yes, ma'am. And I told you about the AARP Bulletin. Yes. I didn't know this, but the woman who is currently the Ceo of aarp, a woman named Joanne Jenkins. You've I seen love her. her. She's on the commercial. She's yes, lovely. I love her. She just makes
1: you want to like hug her or something. Yes, I just like, this is great. Yeah. She's, she's really a nice person that
2: comes through when you see. Yes, she soon got to look at her. Great personality. Well, um, she wrote a book. I didn't know that. And called the name of the book is. Um, disrupt aging a bold new path to living your best life at every age and she wrote that book two years ago because what she wanted to do was as she said change the conversation about what it means to grow older
1: and, and i and also heard
2: I'm, so much about that
1: and also i've i realized the aarp even though we know what it stands for they don't really want you to use that right right because yeah. it people aren't usually retired who are exactly part of that so so they call call it arp yeah they call it arp and what what was she how long has she been i don't know how how long do you know how old she is i i want to say she's in her late 50s what's her her name again um
2: joe ann jenkins okay go ahead keep
1: but what i thought was
2: really interesting about it is it just now came out in paperback so she's talking about that as well and that's the um the genesis of this um article that she wrote as the uh, it's a column that I guess she does every month. It's called Where We Stand. And so she was talking about um, the issue of how this culture sees aging. And she said, it's, <clears throat> Excuse me, it's gratifying to see shifts in attitudes, behaviors, and culture as more people throughout the world are challenging outdated attitudes and stereotypes and sparking new solutions that recognize the potential historic benefits of living longer. Where leaders once looked at the growing aging population and saw only retirees, to your point, they are now beginning to see a new type of experienced, accomplished workforce. Where they once saw only expensive costs, they are now beginning to see an exploding consumer market That is bolstering our economies and where they once saw only a growing pool of dependence they are now beginning to see intergenerational communities with new and different strengths all we have to do is look around us to see what is happening advances in research and technology are driving innovation in virtually every field of endeavor that affects our ability to live well as we age i think that's the most important distinction is the assumption most people have that once you hit 65, your health declines to the point where all it is is about taking care of your health rather than looking at life as a place where you're living very well because you're healthy. We never associate healthy with aging. We mostly associate
1: aging with. But And why do you think a lot of that is? Well, because it's what we saw. Well, it's also what's promoted on t- on commercials uh, yeah, and everything course. else. It's all about this. And, and then, you drugs. know, every doctor's appointment, every day. Th- I mean, that's why. Yeah, and, and it's all health care. It's everything about that. And in our region, it's worse because yes. there are
2: so there many. Are more. It's a higher um, population higher of people over people. the age of 55. And
1: how about she's the first female CEO of AARP, too, which yeah. is cool. It's not telling me, I'll Google the other part. It, it's just saying... Um, wikipedia doesn't ever age so okay anyway but here this was something i thought
2: was really neat that she said about japan she said societies around the world are coming up with creative common sense ways of adapting to the challenges posed by aging populations and doing it with existing resources one example is japan's watch over service For a small monthly fee, a Japanese postal carrier will check on an older resident along the mail delivery route and relay information about the resident's well-being to family members using a tablet. The brilliance of this model is that it takes an existing infrastructure resource, a nationwide postal delivery network, and a seemingly unconnected challenge, isolated seniors, and puts them together it works the cost is low the barriers to entry are few and the payoff is huge yep i think we need to be doing more of that kind of stuff and there's another article in here about um grandparents and and people who have so-called retired reaching out to children and grandchildren especially teenagers and This is written by a woman who is a writer for AARP. And the articles about older adults are stepping up for teenagers in need. It's a quiet crisis that most Americans rarely think about. Thousands of teenagers are living without parents. Every year, about 20,000 of these teens become too old for foster care and are released, turned loose without the stability of a permanent family. Their future chances aren't bright. In one assessment by the National Council for Adoption, nearly forty percent of those former foster children had been some time has spent some time homeless, sixty percent of the young men have been convicted of a crime, and only forty-eight percent were employed. But there's hope for a growing number of foster care teenagers. Many older people in their empty nest years Taking are stepping up to take, to take them in mm-hmm. and even adopt them. Yeah, I love it. Which are considered too old by others, the kids. And some child advocacy groups are targeting teenagers for special help before they are released from state care. And someone that we both know who did something like that, and I feel, my gosh, what... What a gift it was. Edith Castro. I know it. Adopted a young woman. Uh We've talked about it before. I think who was a teenager. And, um. Actually got her through college. And got her to the point where she didn't, not college, I'm sorry. High school. High school. And then she never had any aspirations to go to college. But Ida worked with her and got her into several college, accepted by several colleges. And she actually went to one and graduated. I think it's Susquehanna. And that may be what it is, Susquehanna University of Pennsylvania. Graduated with a four-year degree and is now out on her own with a job. Aww. And I know that, it's remarkable. It is. It is just a wonderful thing when you think about what a gift that is just to, and she was the woman Did she go to
1: Scranton Heights? Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And she lived in a very very difficult home. Um but
1: very she hard. She literally
2: adopted her. She literally yes. adopted her and she lived with her and when did I the love whole it. thing happen? I with think her. that's wonderful. And it is wonderful. And I just and when I read have that, that I thought,
1: kind of in, you know like um uh, to look, to be able to look up to someone like, like Ida and everything she's yes, done exactly. and then give it back mm-hmm. to someone yeah. else is great. It's it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it, so
2: I say that because that's something that a lot of retired people are now looking at doing that because their children are gone. I know. Or maybe they're, the grandchildren aren't anywhere near them and they they would really love to have that relationship with younger people mm-hmm. but they don't think about foster care and then adopting some of these children and giving them a home giving them stability i remember patrick saying to me a couple times that we would go down and visit his stepmother who lived in one of those over 55 communities in florida and he always said to me i cannot stand to live in a place like this don't ever ever get me into a place like this i said why he said because it's so warped i said what do you mean he said there are no families here there are no kids there's no no influx of new ideas and new people and new kids it's all people that he said are like in god's waiting room well well they are that's how it is but what i'm saying is i understand that and there are now plenty of communities that are just sprouting up everywhere where they don't have the over 55 thing anymore they've actually considered that to be discriminatory Mm -hmm. so they're now allowing younger families with children and all different ages to come in because they're recognizing that for older people to be around younger people is emotionally and psychologically a better thing
1: yeah well, also, those people in that type of environment become their own family, too, though, Lynn. Yeah, they do. I mean, they really do. And and you're right, there's not a lot, but there's all different ages anymore in yes. an assisted living and all those things. And they become, you know, you learn Stories. I know a friend of mine has told me so many stories about friendships they've formed since they're living in this facility. And it's neat. And I said to them, it's like your family. And they said, yeah, exactly. You become so close to them and you learn and you're learning about what their lives were like. And um, the interesting thing to me is that so many people, if we stop and take the time to listen to older people, talk to you about what their experiences were mm-hmm. or what it used to be or anything you learn so much from them it yeah. is it's just wonderful to be able to tap into that and the same mm-hmm. thing with li- not that you learn um where they've been because they're young but listening to young people too it's so important to have that but I so I agree with Pat. But yeah. that's the environment.
2: But it's also nice to be a mentor to kids too. Absolutely, I mean that's that's a real gift. Mm-hmm. So it, that's why I I agree with him. I think they're just having communities where that's all that's there. You miss all this other piece, mm-hmm. and it's very stimulating emotionally and. It's also mentally. something
1: that people should do more, like Girl Scout and Boy Scout troops, and yeah. young like high schools, clubs should should make it a point of being engaged with these older communities and mm-hmm. bring the kids there and even those pen, the pen pals that the volunteer yeah, action yeah. center still does. Yep. You know, those those are important and then you meet and those are wonderful things to, to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And they are wonderful programs. Mm-hmm. VAC does that. Yeah. Which I think is fabulous. And
2: I think isn't the boys club and girls club has an intergenerational program as well. I don't where know. Where they that, but they take the kids to some of these nursing homes
1: and they hang out with the people Mm -hmm. and they get to uh, personal relationships with these people it's wonderful and one other thing i watched very quickly when i was in uh, florida one of the show i forget what i i don't know if it was i I can't remember if it was cbs sunday morning or what it was but i watched where these this museum or this um daycare Mm -hmm. for people this specifically for alzheimer's was bringing it had all these things that made them remember like sock hops and old cars and they have all of these rooms within the daycare it's just during the day but it stimulates their memory and they feel alive and part of it and that i think was is just such a neat way of making sure for that particular now of course it was that type of it was dementia and alzheimer's but those things are important for anything is bringing that Thought of what you were, what you did, and bringing that back. Those memories are so important. Nice i think that's fine for me too i mean at this point well, i too. do not have to
2: mention I've, no but, but really I mean, that station on sirius XM. yes you know, the yes. 60s i and know the 70s. yeah i love to listen to
1: it as we love to
2: listen to it i
1: know it's cool it's a good thing he said to me one because i know all the words to the songs he said did your mother and father <laughs> lock you in a closet and tell you to memorize every song line not to the 60s but some end of 60s i, I don't remember i don't even know how since i was only born in 1980 i don't Oh really i didn't know that <laughs> well there's a revelation yeah. Six, 1961 <clears throat> to be exact but anyway we're going to leave you at no thanks for listening everybody have a great This
0: episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive it works just the way it sounds